Hi everyone, just before we begin this podcast, I would like to mention our brilliant sponsor, ANL Goodbody. ANL Goodbody is a leading Irish corporate law firm and one which really recognizes the importance of their graduate recruitment program. They have recently been voted the most popular graduate employer in law for the 10th year in a row. If you are looking for the chance to develop your career in a supportive, innovative and collaborative environment, ANL Goodbody can provide this in a modern, exciting, diverse and friendly surrounding. And I would really recommend you check out their graduate recruitment opportunities. Hi guys, Isabel here and welcome back to the Grad Life podcast. Today I'm chatting with Charlie Norton, a silver medalist at the Paralympic Games. In this buried podcast, we'll talk about everything from his path to rowing to his disability, accident and recovery. We also discuss social justice in the form of disability in sport and Charlie's Black Lives Matter protest on the Paralympic podium. This is an inspiring podcast for anyone interested in sport or social justice. So hi, Charlie. Thank you for joining me today on the Grad Life podcast. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So normally I bring it right back to the start when I'm interviewing people and I ask them uh, why they decided to study what they study, but you're this podcast is a little bit different because it's more sports based with you. So I'm going to ask you when you started sports and, you know, what sports you started in. Yeah, totally. Um, so I have been involved in sports kind of my whole life um, from like a very young age. I was like a soccer player. And then I think I probably started like really getting competitively into sports uh, in high school with uh, distance running, kind of like cross country uh, track and field. I like really found a love for that kind of like power endurance sport. And uh, through like an injury, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, uh, that career ended and then I got into uh, rowing. So that happened my junior year of high school. I didn't really do any sports senior year of high school. And then I went to Gonzaga University uh, in the States and walked on the rowing team just to kind of try something new. Another one of those power endurance sports fell in love with it immediately. And kind of next thing I know, uh, I was all in fully committed to it and loved it. So and had you ever, I know rowing's unique in, in that fact that you can pick it up within a year, but had you ever considered it before or heard of it? No, I really have. I mean, uh, so I grew up in, in the Bay Area in Oakland, and it's definitely not like a huge sport there. Um, so I hadn't really heard of it. Um, honestly, kind of the appeal freshman year is like I really wanted to try something different and new, and it was just so far out of my comfort zone. So that was like kind of a turn on for me. I was like, that seems really cool. I want to do that. And then you referenced it, uh, you referenced it actually in my first question when you said that you had an accident in junior year, which kind of changed your path in sports and your path in life completely. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, totally. Um, so my junior year, uh, I was out on a training trip uh, running um, with the cross country team. And there was like kind of a rope swing that went out uh, kind of over this cliff. And it was really fun. You just kind of went out on it. Uh, we'd been on it a ton of times. It really wasn't, uh, like a big deal at all. And the day that I happened to be on it, it was just really unfortunate. Um, but the rope swing broke while I was out over the cliff and I fell, gosh, almost 40 feet, um, and ended up having burst fractures in my L3, L4 and L5 vertebrae. And I also broke my wrist. Um, so that resulted in some pretty serious nerve damage to my right leg. Um, my right calf basically doesn't work at all. My right glute works at around like 30 to 40%. And I can't feel almost all of my right leg due to the nerve damage. Um, 
so on top of it you know being really not fun and like there are definitely a couple really bad days uh it did end my running career which was like really heartbreaking because the dream up until that point was to run at like a division one school and to uh, go to college and like pursue it at a higher level um you can't really run very fast with only one calf so there's no choice of my own my running career was ended and it was really tough for me because so much of my identity had kind of revolved around being an athlete especially in like high school at such a young age um so to have that taken away from me and kind of the way it did so prematurely was really hard to come to terms with. But again, it's what made my eventual coming to rowing so special because it did fill a huge hole that I had in my life and like really made me feel as though I was an athlete again, because basically that year post injury, my whole senior year of high school was just entirely focused on rehabbing. You know, I was in the hospital for extended periods of time, had multiple surgeries done on my back. Um, and so much of kind of my sport senior year became rehabbing. I was, you know, doing physical therapy exercises, you know, four to five hours a day, going to like my physical therapist's office like three times a week. Um, so yeah, it, uh, looking back on it now, it's really interesting because it did start this incredible new journey that I would have never ever imagined myself being on. Um, but in the moment, it was just so tough to have kind of one door close because the second door hadn't quite opened yet. I'd imagine, especially when you're so young, it's kind of hard to put into context, you know, to see that it, it can offer you opportunities. And when you're in that moment and when you're, you know, you mentioned you were in hospital for long periods of time and you spent, you know, a year rehabbing, what motivated you to then get back into sports and kind of get back to it when it's so easy it could have been so easy to just sit back and say that's me I'm out I'm not an athlete anymore yeah no that's that's a great question honestly a lot of my drive early like very early on was to get back to running um because uh like science and like medical like the medical field really doesn't still know a ton about like how nerves work it's kind of one of the last like real mysteries about the human body so a lot of the doctors weren't quite able to give me like a hard yes or no of like whether you know the nerve damage is permanent so I kind of took that as like well I'm gonna fix it so early on it was like I'm gonna get back to running as time progressed obviously that became a little bit less realistic and it was like okay this is looking to be permanent um so then I just kind of took this this attitude of like well I'm not gonna let this define me you know it's like uh it, it's been really bad and it was tough to come to terms with the fact that it's like, okay, I'll never be able to run as fast as I used to jump as high, lift as much. Um, but I still was just like, you know, you can't control the cards you're dealt in life, but you can control what you do with them. So that's the, the way I took it. And to be honest, there were definitely some months where it was just like, I was really depressed and I wasn't happy and I kind of sulked in it. And I just got to the point where I was like, I can't, I was 16, you know, I was like, I have a, a long life ahead of me. I can't be this way for another, you know, 60, 70 years. So that was kind of the realization that, you know, a lot of my friends and family tried to give me, but it was something that I kind of had to come to like on my own. And again, finally getting back into rowing and being part of a team again, an organized sport that played like a huge role in it. And then once you finished college, you went on to Gonzaga um, which Irish people may think of as a school here, but it's a college over in the US. Um, why did you pick Gonzaga? 
Uh, I loved, again, I hadn't really thought about rowing at all. So it was just purely academic. They offered me a scholarship and I really had always loved the state of Washington. Uh, Spokane's a cool city. It kind of just worked well. They had degrees that I was interested in. Um, really good basketball team. <laughs> so it was fun. It was a All lot of fun. Stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, so you, you started rowing in your first year of college and I know a first year rowing, uh, it's called a novice over in Ireland and it's kind of comical because you have so much to learn in a year. How did you find that first year? Oh, I was so bad. I, <laughs> <laughs> I actually almost got cut um, from our team because I was that bad. But fortunately being six foot eight, uh, our coach was like, you have a lot of potential. If you weren't this tall, we would have cut you. He was very honest about it. And I have a great relationship with our assistant coach still to this day. But yeah, it was it was a lot to learn. So I have a lot of sympathy for all the novices out there. It's like, I get it. I've been there. What was what was it that drew you into the sport that, that made you addicted to it or really kept you in it? In a lot of ways, it is similar to distance running, just being that kind of power endurance, like pushing yourself. How hard can you go for how long? Um, and that racing kind of mentality. There are a lot of like parallels and similarities between the two. Um, so I think a lot of the things I loved about running, I found in rowing additionally. So that's, it was really cool. And then when did you start to really make serious progress, progress as a senior in rowing? Or when did you kind of get your first exposure to rowing for the national team or, or yeah. you know, U.S. rowing in general? Yeah, so it would have been in my junior year, so third year of rowing, uh, I actually figured out that I qualified through my disability for um, the Paralympics. Uh, so that was like very exciting for me because all of a sudden doors were starting to open up now because of this injury. And I kind of, up until that point, I had taken it seriously, but it was like collegiate rowing. Um, so it was always kind of like coming second to class and stuff. Uh, but once I figured out that I could, you know, potentially be making national teams for this sport, like the intensity, the focus just ramped up to like a thousand. And I made my first national team later that year in 2018, uh, went to the world championships in Bulgaria. That was really cool. And that was kind of like my first like real taste of like high level elite rowing. And I was like even more hooked than I was before. Yeah, that's amazing. And then, um, you then qualified for the Olympics as part of the mixed coxed four. Sorry, I had to think yeah. about that to get it right. Um, <laughs> what's the qualification procedure like for that or to yeah. even get selected for the boat? Yeah, so there's kind of like two part and one applies to like all uh, Paralympic sports is there's like a classification process where they basically take like a team of professionals, both doctors and like experts in the sport and they basically just do a bunch of tests on you to make sure that you're, you know, telling the truth about your disability and you're not faking it. Uh, so that's step one. And that's always a little bit stressful. It's like the one time in your life you're like, I hope I'm like disabled enough, you know? <laughs> it's like, um, so that was kind of a funny, funny circumstances. But after you get classified, then we hold a selection camp where we usually like to offer spots to the top like six to eight men and six to eight women in the country and then we all just seat race and compete against each other to find the fastest lineup and it's two guys and two girls and then once you you went over to tokyo um what was that experience like oh it was a dream come true it was it was incredible um and like everything i dreamed of and more uh in a way it really did feel as like the, the competition was incredible but it was more so that just like being there and being a part of this like world community and 
being a part of like the adaptive sport community. I mean, you saw people from all ranges of ability, um, all sorts of disabilities. And it was just so cool because for so much of my life, I always felt a bit as an outsider. Um, and like I limp a little bit when I walk because of the nerve damage and stuff. And I've always been afraid for people to see it because everyone is always like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, they're saying it in a nice way, thinking like, oh, maybe I hurt my knee or something. But it's like, well, you know, this isn't quite a casual conversation to have right now. But being in the village and looking around, like I really felt like I belonged. Like I didn't feel like I had to hide anything. And I felt like I could be myself, which was just just incredible. And and the power that sport has to give people those opportunities and to make a community like that on such an international scale was the coolest part about it easily. And then that's not even talking about the racing. I know we watched you qualify pretty convincingly for the final over here. And then you went out in the final and you won a silver medal. And then like, how do you even, how does that feel crossing the line? Oh, again, just uh, such an honor. and just such a dream come true to be able to not only represent your country on like such a world stage, but to, to do well and to win a medal and bring a medal home for your country. Uh, I think it really honors like the biggest, the biggest word that comes to mind. Um, and again, it's just, it's a dream come true. I mean, who would have thought like, I was a good distance runner, but I wasn't going to go to the Olympics. You know, I wasn't going to medal at the Olympics. Uh, so kind of go all the way back now. It's like to be achieving this level of, you know, sport. 16 year old, you would be very proud. I'm guessing. I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then after you win your medal, uh, you cross the line, there's the podium. And then you did something, I can see you smiling. You did something unusual, I will say on the podium. Do you wanna, which I think is fantastic, but do you wanna explain what went down on the podium? Yeah, yeah. So uh, during the award ceremony, after they'd kind of given us our medals and the Great Britain, who's the team that won, uh, their national anthem played. During pictures, I had a shirt on under our like medal ceremony outfit um, that said justice for Oscar Grant, who is a, he was a man from uh, 22 from Oakland, uh, my home city, that in 2009 was shot and killed. He was unarmed, restrained face down on New Year's Day. Uh, he was shot and killed in the back by BART police officers. And the guy was found guilty. He ended up only serving about 11 months, um, which just, you know, in my opinion, is not justice. And it was the first time in my life that I'd really been exposed to just the outright racism that so much of America is plagued by. Um, so it was really eye opening for me. And, you know, he was a member of our community. I didn't know him myself, but to have it hit that close to home. And to realize that so few people knew who he was, um, I think especially with this summer going on, so many people kind of started to get on the BLM movement without knowing the history of it. And I wanted to bring the light to people that like, hey, this has been going on for a lot longer than Oscar Grant, but even in like somewhat recent times in your life, it's happened. And then also, you know, I wanted to do it for Oakland and I wanted to, to bring attention to this case because he's from my home and he deserved better than what he got. Yeah, and staying on the topic then of equality and, um, you know, treating everyone equally, looking at the Paralympics and looking at disability in sport, do you think we're in an acceptable place right now or do you think there's still a lot to improve? 
there's still so much to improve. It's interesting because we are currently in like the best, you know, every Paralympics gets better and better. Um, So it's the best it's ever been, but it's still nowhere close to being equal to the Olympics. Um, I can't necessarily speak on an international scale for like specific countries, but within the U S the boat class I'm in is one of the most successful in the history of the sport. And we consistently receive, you know, less than like a third of what Olympic squads get. Uh, so it's always, it's just always a battle working with your governing bodies, international bodies of sport to try and continue that conversation and further the cause of getting more equity and equality within the sport, because it's not there yet. Um, and it's far from it. And even in the U S although I pointed out the flaws, it is, one of the best places for it, um, which is a shame because there's so much work that still needs to be done. So especially on an international scale with a lot of like developing countries and stuff, uh, bigger than just sport, accessibility needs to be increased. You know, I mean, I'm talking to some athletes from developing countries, their favorite part about it was there was a wheelchair ramp everywhere. You know, and it's like, that's, that's crazy that you have to be, I mean, it was beautiful, but sad in a way because these athletes every time like everything they say is they feel socially accepted kind of what I was saying and everything's accessible which makes like these two weeks of the Paralympics so incredible but it's like those are just basic kind of human rights almost to like feel accepted in your community and to have access to like basic things like a bathroom a shower an elevator and it's like you shouldn't have to be one of the world's best elite athletes to get that for two weeks, once every four years, you know, and I really think that sums up how much work we still have to do that. So many Paralympic athletes takeaways from the game is how cool it was to have like basic things. And then after the Paralympics, you packed up your bag straight away and came over, which I think is surreal. You went straight from Tokyo over to Dublin um, to study as a sports scholar over in Trinity College Dublin. Um, why, I know you could have gone to so many places, so why Trinity? Yeah, I, a lot of reasons. I had always wanted to see Ireland. I'd never been here before, so that was exciting in itself. Um, I actually, our teammate, the other guy that was in the boat with me, John Tangway, he graduated last year from Trinity and also wrote for the program, kind of, you know, COVID, but during his limited experience here that was allowed, uh, he loved it. He had great things to say. So he's kind of actually one of the people that helped get the ball rolling with that. Uh, speaking to the coaches, everyone seemed really nice. The team seemed great. Seemed like a really good fit. And then on the school side of things, uh, I'm studying comparative social change, um, which is a sociology degree. And, you know, I feel like talking how we have today is probably no surprise that that's what I'm passionate about and want to get into. Um, So I really just saw it as a continuation of a lot of things in my life. I can continue my rowing career. I can continue my, you know, education career to then hopefully get a professional career after this. Uh, So it just it was a perfect fit in like so many different ways. And I'm so glad to be here. And how have you found it both rowing and studying? Oh, I've loved it. I'm like, I, it's been a dream come true. Everyone is so nice. I love the team. Um, I love my, my classes. All of my classmates are so nice. The professors are great. It's really like, at first I was a little worried coming because as you said, it was just such a quick turnover, 
but as soon as I got here, everyone was so helpful and it took like two days and I was like, okay, I made the right decision. This is great. And then looking forward after this year, what's the plan then? Can go back to America and keep rowing or yeah. go down a professional path? That's the million dollar question. Uh, I don't know yet. I definitely see myself training for Paris, the next uh, Paralympic games. Um, hopefully within that working maybe part-time, uh, I've been kind of looking at a couple cities, uh, like Los Angeles, Austin, Texas, um, and Washington DC are probably like the three leading places. Cause there's strong rowing there so I could train. And then there's a, also a lot of potential jobs for what I'm interested in. Just a broader question. We talked about what motivated you when you were, you know, going through your rehab and your recovery, but now you're at where you're at. You're a silver medalist, Paralympian. What motivates you now? Yeah, well, great question. Um, gosh, well, early on, a lot of the motivation was making the podium uh, like this last year and, and protesting. So to have that achieved, it is a little interesting. It's like, okay, you did that. Uh, what's next? I mean, right now, the big motivator for me is I want to win colors. I want to win uh, national championship. So it's kind of, I think that's important for training is to kind of always have something short-term and something long-term that you're working for. So short-term, it's definitely having like a really successful season with Trinity and, you know, hopefully winning everything. Um, long-term, it's, yeah, it's going to another game. So it's to, to feel that community again, because it truly was so special. And it really only does come around once every four years, unfortunately. Um, so I think that's the big motivator is to, just to go back. And it's kind of funny. It's not even necessarily winning or getting another medal. It's, it's to be a part of that community again and to experience it again. And honestly, experience the games without COVID because it was a little weird not being able to do anything and not having any fans. It was still incredible. But to experience kind of a normal games would be really cool. Yeah. And then I did warn you about this, so I hope you have a good answer. But if you had to recommend, I always ask my um, interviewees on the Grad Life podcast, but if you had to recommend one book to the listeners today, sporting related, non-sporting related, academic, non-academic, fiction, non-fiction, what would it be? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would probably, at the risk of sounding like a nerd, say Lord of the Rings. Um, I love Lord of the Rings. I think I've read them like five or six times at this point. I think they're great. Uh, one of the reasons I love them though is they are long, so you have to kind of get into it. So it's a bit of a commitment almost like you're committing to this book. And then additionally, they're just so like deep and you can just escape in them. So it's like if you're having a bad day, if training's not going well, you can just open up this book and like fully get immersed in this complete alternate reality, which is really fun. Thank you, Charlie, for talking to me. Uh, it's been a really enjoyable 20 or 30 minutes. Um, I know I'm going to be following your career at Trinity Rowing and US Rowing and, and see what you do with your degree as well with a lot of interest. Um, so thank you for speaking with me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.